Hello, everyone. (laughs) Hello, everyone. I'm Colin Tessier of WrestleZone.com. I'm joined by Robert D. Fleece to talk about Friday Night SmackDown on a Friday for a change. Robert, how you doing? It is on a Friday, Colin. I'm here. I'm I'm all bananaed out. I just did a show with Pineapple Pete. I decided to get festive, throw on a banana shirt. And yeah, you know what, Colin? It was a fun show. But now we got to sit here and talk about missionary position. Line, that, line of the night. We're going to talk all about that. Roman Reigns is on a whole nother level right now, and it's a wonderful thing to see. Uh, uh, yeah, that, like SmackDown, it's a, it's a good show. John Cena says SmackDown sucks with Roman Reigns as champion, and I disagree. So I might just be Team Roman after all. But we'll talk all about that. Before we do, just want to remind you all that this show, like everything we do here at WrestleZone, is available on any number of streaming platforms. We're at SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, Podcast, whatever it may be. We've got you covered. So leave a like and subscribe. And I guess just to get out of the way early on here, Robert, you and I are recording this ahead of time. This will not be a, a live show as we usually do. Uh, you know, just a one-off for scheduling reasons, but hopefully we'll be back on track next week. So Robert, you and I are just kind of going to run through the whole show and share our thoughts and go from there. So That's right. And listen, the important thing is you're getting us, you're getting our feedback, you're getting WrestleZone, which is one of just the best content creation machines in the world of wrestling media. And that's what really matters. Indeed. Speaking of content creation, WWE had a show Friday, of course, at SmackDown. So we're here to talk about WWE, a content creation company. And maybe that's why they partnered with the Rolling Loud Music Festival. Of course, the likely goal being to, you know, expand their reach, uh, tap into a, a different audience than they usually may uh, have access to. So obviously you had uh, at least part of the show in front of this uh, music festival crowd. And I guess we could, we could start there by saying they had two matches at Rolling Loud. I thought the set was really cool. And it was, it was a very cool visual to have this like sea of people. I mean, I don't even know how, how many people were there. And the two matches we saw, a little interesting choice. I don't know what I was expecting, but we saw Otis versus Angelo Dawkins and a SmackDown Women's title match. So, Robert, I guess we'll start overall just saying what you thought about having the show split up like that. And in general, just with Rolling Loud and this, this collaboration here. Uh, look, splitting the show up was stupid. That's first thing first. That was stupid. Splitting the show up, I wouldn't do that again. Rolling Loud, definitely do it again. I would do more festivals. I want to see matches in the middle of E3. I want to see matches at Coachella. I want Ariana Grande performing while Sasha Banks is doing a reverse Frankensteiner off top rope. That's what I want. Like, we do need synergy in the world of entertainment. WWE needs to get over themselves. They're not the hottest thing going. But I liked the idea of rolling loud. Execution did leave a little to be desired for me. That's yeah. just me. One thing that stood out to me, our own John Clark, our boots on the ground as always, he was at the show and he was, uh, tweeted pretty much right after it happened. You know, on, on TV, they set up this like six man tag team match. It was, I think, Biggie, Shinsuke, and Cesaro versus uh, Apollo Crews and the Dirty Dogs. And then they brawled. And then Dolph Ziggler said, no, no, not tonight. And if you're watching at home, you think, okay, I guess they're going to do that next week. And then they kind of pivot to Rolling Loud. That's where we saw Otis versus Angelo Dawkins. But then lo and behold, John tweets, oh, they're doing the six-man tag uh, for the live crowd. It was apparently this fun, cool 15-minute match. None of the viewers at home saw that. They were, they were, this was the, the first chunk of the show. Actually, no, I think it was, they did it back-to-back. It was Otis and then the, the other rolling out match. And that struck me as odd, where it's like you set that up for the TV viewers, but then you didn't 
deliver on it. So then I kind of have to wonder if they're going to do that next week anyway, or if that was just perhaps a organizational misstep where they, they said organizational the- misstep because they didn't have rolling loud planned. I feel like rolling loud came together last minute and they went, we got to jump on it. I would have done the whole damn show. I would have done the whole damn. I hope next year they do the whole damn show from rolling loud. I want to see people invested. Like I saw comments on Twitter. Like I gotta get Bianca. I gotta get uh, Jeff Hardy. I get Randy Orton. Look, That'd be great because you do need wrestlers that you can identify with. But I think you got to have matches that are compelling. Let's talk about Bianca and Carmella. The first two moves they exchanged were roll-ups. Nobody cares. I would have had Bianca just whipping her hair and beating the crap out of Carmella. Throw her uh, into the stage. You know what I mean? Like, really play around with it. Make people go, oh, shit. Wrestling is cool. Wrestling is hot. Wrestling is, like... That's what you need. That's what you need to see. That's how you get other people, outside people, invested in the world of wrestling. You don't go, and here's Angelo Dawkins against Chad Gable. I like Wale. Wale's great. Wale sings Biggie's theme song. He should have been with Biggie that night. But I think doing the Street Profits and like a really high-octane match against... Lord, I don't know who the Usos, because the Usos could probably, you know, get you going at that event. Roman. So kind of Roman kind of promo with John Cena. People would have been like, first of all, who is this Roman Reigns? Because he's a good looking dude. And you got John Cena coming out. Like, that's what you need to do. So I like it. Again, do it again. Do it at more festivals. Just do it better. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the the bottom line, you know, where it does strike me as odd where you, you had Otis and Dawkins, not exactly household names. It was a good match. It was a good match. And I, I will say to, to WWE and or Rolling Loud's defense, the crowd was more into it than, you would, than I would have thought. You know, I, I entered the show thinking, you know, at least whatever portion was at Rolling Loud, it would be in front of, for the most part, I guess, non-wrestling fans or, or at the very least, casual wrestling fans uh but i mean unless WWE completely like piped an audio which they very well might have i don't know but at least they did because look it's a large festival people not really sure maybe they're a little inebriated one way or the other doesn't matter they gotta get the authentic wwe sound i think let that shit go like let's hear the raw visuals from the audience because i know like Alexis Littlefoot was in the crowd. She's a great supporter of pro wrestling. She was there. She's excited. I want to see more of that. I want to see more. I want, I want them doing, you know, shows at uh, Download Fest. They don't do Warp Tour anymore. Somebody needs to do whatever the, the New Age Warp Tour would be and get Darby Allen on that shit. Get, you know, get NXT. NXT does Download Festival in the UK, but like, Get NXT doing something like that in America. You know what I mean? Where are, like, let's do that. I think that that's great for WWE, but you need to do it, just do it better. Again, E3, yeah, all these gaming conventions, all that shit. Do it, man. Just do it. Run with it. Run wild. Run free. There are definitely other opportunities. Uh, I saw an interview where Carmella was talking about, 
rolling loud you know because she was in the title match and she uh was asked like what what other kind of like interesting location that she she might want to see a wrestling show like this you know be put on especially as, as a wwe superstar and she said i forget the exact name but i think it was like a, a wine vineyard or something because that's something that's very much up her alley so there i feel like there definitely are uh, many other you know possibilities here this doesn't necessarily feel like a one and done whether or not it's rolling loud i feel like we will see more of these collaborations and, and ventures into other realms you know whatever that might be i like the uh, the e3 idea i think there are any number of things that could work but yeah i think maybe this was a, a trial run and maybe they'll see that some of these things didn't work as well as they could have whether those were their organizational things or as we were just saying even if those are the match choices you know maybe having people with a little more if not, you know, name value at the very least, maybe a little more ability to really get the crowd fired up. Not to say the Street Profits can't do that, not to say that uh, Chad Gable can't do that, not to say that the, the women's side match was bad by any means. I mean, I think putting Bianca Belair out there was a great idea. I think that's a very fitting partnership in that sense. And she had talked about that in an interview where she says she wants to get more um, eyes in the hip hop market uh, in, on WWE. It's something that she's very passionate about, she's talked about before. So, in that sense, this was a good opportunity to do that. Uh, but again, in some ways, to talk about the matches themselves, we were talking about this last week. Like, Carmella got another title match one week after she lost to Bel Air, fair and square. Um, you know, and again, that's that's more of a reflection on the SmackDown Women's division. And we're, we're seeing more new faces on the brand now, so that they're kind of trying to fix that. But still, you do have a a void at the top after Bailey went down with injury. That's inevitable, but I, we might as well talk about some of those new faces because Robert, it's Tony time. Tony storm was on SmackDown this week. This had been hyped up in recent weeks and they, we didn't know how she would debut, who she'd be facing. She wound up facing Zelina Vega, which as soon as I saw that match graphic, I thought, Oh no, because obviously they're not going to have Tony storm lose her debut. And then this wasn't even a competitive match, Robert. This was a pretty, Pretty decisive, if not squash match, you know, pretty uh, emphatic, you know, victory for Tony Storm. And to me, not to be dramatic about it, but I'm just, I'm sitting here thinking, if you're going to bring Selena Vega back in the, in the way that you have, if you're going to put her in the Money in the Bank ladder match, granted, part of that could very well be because of that lack of depth. But now she lost that match. She lost to Liv Morgan before that. Now she's losing to this you know, newcomer to the brand, granted, that's just how it works. But that did strike me as very odd. And now I can't help but feel worried for Zelina Vega's prospects, at least as it relates to her run on SmackDown. Zelina Vega carried the first portion of the pandemic as a manager. No disrespect to Zelina Vega in between the ropes. Zelina Vega needs to be a manager. She needs to hitch her wagon to, I don't even know. Give me, give me a name from NXT. Like, uh, Santos Escobar. Santos Escobar. Uh, Angel Garza. If you want to stick with the women's division, there is that Simone Johnson. There is, you know, there are names out there that I think Zelina Vega can really help further along. Now, I don't know if uh, MLW's Selena De La Renta has been uh, talking, teasing, maybe going to WWE. I don't know if that's the reason why they're keeping Selena out of the managerial role. I think there's room for two. You know what I mean? Just because they are of a similar ethnicity doesn't mean, well, I don't know, man. 
Like, there, there can't be two Hispanic female managers. Oh, oh, hold on there, pal. Like, Zelina Vega's really good when she's on her shit. And Zelina Vega needs to be a manager. I mean, at, at this point, especially, it's hard to disagree. And now that she's lost, again, to Morgan, now to Tony Storm, lost money in the bank, I feel like that'd probably be the best path forward if they, if they don't really want to push her or utilize her uh, successfully as a wrestler. I think that'd be, she'd be better off like that. I thought she was great with Andrade, and I, I will remain quite upset that, that they never got the run they really deserved on the main roster, that that, that just kind of fell apart. Um, and in some Andrade ways, Andrade is currently running with AEW AAA, was rumored for Slammiversary. Andrade is killing it. Those people, they're, they're stupid. How you let that go? The names that they have let go, that they are all now kind of like, oh, well, we would like them back. But, uh, it's mind remorse, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. But really. uh, for me, I, I sit here and admittedly, I'm biased. I'm a WWE fan, but in some ways, I uh, we're talking about Zelina Vega, and you mentioned Andrade, and I just can't help but think like maybe she would have been better off, you know, if it's whether she signed with uh, AEW or whatever it might be, you know, if, if to keep that going. As I I thought they were a great pairing, and that largely been what I think many people were expecting. And then when she, you know, was brought back to WWE, I guess there's the at least the hope that she'd be utilized differently than this, and. Hopefully, you know. I again, what just to you know, reiterate it, I think it'd be she'd be better off now as a manager, just kind of you know focus on that. Whether yeah, Robert is mentioned whether or not uh, Selena De Renta comes in or not. That's been rumored. Nothing really official there, but it's a, a possibility. So whether or not that happens, I think uh, Vega would be better off in that sense so we can hope about that uh something else i'm hopeful about although still very curious i'm not sure where it's going although we got some development on it this week baron corbin uh and kevin owens possibly a tag team where baron corbin still down in the dumps he said that his gofundme essentially whatever whatever the name was he lost money and and we got uh, a a storyline about credit card fraud because i guess his his identity got stolen and he, he even lost more money and then Kevin Owens uh, said, hey, you know, you're on there off time. I'm going to give you some money. And then Shotzi Blackheart and Tegan Knox shot Corbin in the nuts. <laughs> Just Listen, I don't care what you say. You're not above laughing at a good nut shot. I'm not. I am a not. A good nut shot is peak humor. <laughs> okay? It is peak humor. Uh, some people are farting or not. Uh, testicular abuse is humor. And I, I was all for it. I mean, I would have liked it better if I was a bit weird because, like, the baby faces hit him in the nuts. Right. And right. the heels tried to steal his money. But then the baby face stepped in. And then, but he also didn't stop the other baby faces from just rocketing. A little, I guess, like what we like, like a Nerf football, yeah, practically, whatever it was, into the into the man's testicles. Corbin is unhappy. He is broke. He had to ride the bus. It smelled like cheese. He told poor Caleb. Baron Corbin is sad. Happy Corbin seems very far away, but we'll see. 
We will see. Uh, it does feel like this was the most direct step we've taken to that because this feels like rock bottom. You're sitting there uh, in the aftermath of this perfect, perfectly executed nut shot. Uh, and Kevin Owens, you know, came, came to his rescue and kind of it seemed like they're implying that these two guys are somehow finding common ground where Owens might want to help Corbin or, you know, whatever, you know, just be nice to the guy. And to me, like at least one member of the SmackDown roster as a decent human being for seeing someone who's clearly down the dumps going through a very bad time. And rather than laughing at the guy or hitting him in the nuts says, Hey, you're, you're uh, going through a bad time. So I'm going to be nice to you. Even if you weren't so nice in the past, because that's how people should, should be like, that's a, that's a good story. Imagine that that's what a good guy would do. And the good guy has found it in himself to be a genuinely good guy. I, I've said it before. I, I feel like granted the nut shot, you know, that is very much for laughs and we're, we're very clearly leaning in this uh, comedic, you know, haha style, but there's meat on the bone here, Robert, like week one, I said, it feels like there, there's the chance to talk about like mental health of this. Now we're talking about like human nature where Owens is like just trying to be a good person. And part of that could stem from his, obviously his past and he used to be a bad guy and he used to be much like Baron Corbin, but now he's seen the error in his ways and he's to try and help Baron Corbin do the same thing. Like there, there is, there is something there, and I like it. I, I, I'm excited about it. I did not think I'd want to see, uh, if if not a traditional tag team, at least a alliance between Kevin Owens and Baron Corbin. But now after after tonight, I'm thinking, all right, you know, I'm I'm intrigued. I think there's something here, and if if happy corbin is the end goal i i remain very interested to see how we possibly get there because robert you mentioned it feels like a long way off but again i feel like this was the maybe the first real step towards that yeah i i think happy corbin as a payoff is too comedic for a character like kevin owens to be involved right now everybody should be bringing their egg and kevin owens I feel like he's a guy who came into WWE guns blazing, right? And then he got the universal title after the deal with the universal title. He just sort of fizzled out. And I think he's got more of a good run in him. And I just wonder if he believes that he has that good run in him. I would think so. I don't, I don't know why he wouldn't. You know. Well, I mean, like, I, I, perhaps let me let me clarify. If he is thinking about maybe my better days are in NXT, maybe they're elsewhere. We're in an era where it's not the main roster anymore. That's not your one-stop shop. You know what I mean? We're talking about CM Punk and Daniel Bryan potentially ending up in all elite wrestling. And I just wonder if a Kevin Owens is like, maybe there's something better for me. I mean, I think anybody, uh, especially at Owens' level, would be tempted to think that. And it's all, I think that's as much as especially this past week we've seen all the headlines all the buzz about aw and all that stuff kind of on the flip side of that you you kind of have to wonder about uh the 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 wwe side of things as it relates to to the roster because like they a guy like kevin owens could be looking at that and saying okay you know maybe somewhere down the road 
I might want to do that. Or, or on the other hand, uh, sticking it out, trying to improve your situation where you are. And in, in this case, that could be, as you, you probably said, like bring in your A game. And I feel like Owens always does, but it hasn't necessarily I, I yielded much. I think Owens does, but it's like, if you're presented, if you're presented with a ceiling, how much can you work around that ceiling? It does feel you know like, what I mean? yeah, it does feel like he has a ceiling, not as a reflection of his talent, but more from the booking. And that, you know, for months earlier this year, I sat here week after week, just so tired of the fact he was booked against Roman Reigns over and over again with the clear uh, message being that Owens was not going to win this thing. And get it, they still stretched it out from December, call it through, I think it was like early February or so that I think we got like five title matches and four or five title matches. And, you know, and that for me, even sitting here now, like tonight was the first night, maybe money in the bank because he did so many crazy spots, but tonight was the first night where I really looked at Owens in a, and a, probably since that feud of reigns where I thought, okay, like here we go. Like this is something good for him. It's something different, something new. Um, ceiling or no ceiling, at least like there are ways to kind of, I guess, make the most what of What I'm that. saying is, I guess, okay, let me backtrack. That's me as a fan. Not wanting to see Kevin Owens dragged down into WWE comedy. Right. No, I agree. Like, he's better than that. He is. You know? And I, I, I want to see him used to the best of his ability. Because the reality is, I love John Cena. John Cena's so great. Edge is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. What happens in December when they don't want to be there? You know, I think that like, about September. Like I think we're we're very much in a, in a position where pretty much we're, we've got this summer, this like fun summer, the summer of Cena and and having Edge back, having Goldberg presumably over on Raw, uh, and as far as I can tell, that will pretty much stop or or SummerSlam. yeah and and then you know edge still sticking around maybe at least on a part-time basis goldberg if he faces lashley that'll be his second match of the year he'll probably be done till next year cena will probably be gone again presumably um don't know if that is true and then you know we could talk about finn Balor in a bit and as someone that could very well benefit from that situation but you know a, a guy like kevin owens on paper could very well uh be in that spot as well uh, at the same time where it's like they're going to need people again to step up when guys like Cena and everybody else leave again so uh that is true and, and now we're sitting here in July and it's like we're seeing potentially Owens can as you said kind of drag down in this comedy thing it's not the best look for him and I, I definitely do agree with that so but we'll see I like that Owens is a good guy he's genuinely a good guy in and out of the ring maybe he's the best person to tell the story with Baron Corbin I, I just hope it goes somewhere good. Yeah, and again, I'm hopeful. Yeah, maybe maybe naively so, but they they've got my interest. I'm in, I'm excited to see where it goes. And something else I'm excited about is something that you and I have been talking about for weeks, Robert. A likely match between Seth Rollins and Edge. We got uh, the most heated confrontation between the two of them that we've seen so far. Where Edge naturally was very upset that Rollins cost him the Universal Title match of Money in the Bank, and then uh, he said, you know, "I'm going to go to extreme depths to make sure that I hurt you, that I punish you." And then Rollins came out. He was calling Edge 
Edge, Grandpa Edge. He was laughing at him and, and all these things. But then Rollins, as he does, kind of he hit that switch and he got real serious. He said, I think the direct quote was like, you've been a, a scumbag to me and I would love nothing more than to crush your dreams and end this fairy tale uh, of, of your of your return and to be the one that puts you down for good. Of course, referencing when he uh, nearly stomped Edge years ago as something we've been talking it, about for weeks now. It's so amazing that like that one clip that now features, they're probably going to have to do some editing because that features at least two people who are now in AEW in uh, Big Show and Christian. But that one clip from 2014 is going to be the entirety of the build to this match. And I love it because at the end of the day, it was something that Edge did because he thought, this is my way of passing the torch to you at a time when Rollins needed the torch. See, that's the one thing hurting this match is Rollins doesn't need a torch anymore. Like Rollins at the time was money in the bank holder. Right. He still had the authority. He still had the blonde streak in his hair. Now it's more like the present established guy, maybe even on his way down against the veteran guy and you can argue neither one needs to win anything in, anymore, but it will be fun to see. And I think Edge should win just because send the crowd home happy. I agree that the, uh, the, definitely the, the positions are different now where, you know, Rollins established Edge, you know, is now a, a veteran that's, you know, a part-timer at this point um and yeah neither one really needs to win for me i will give this a little differently where if rollins wins that would really kind of launch him back to the world title picture where he hasn't really been i would say really since he lost the title to the fiend and that was pretty much what two, two years ago yeah almost two years ago he 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 had a history of cesaro kind of like on the periphery of the world title scene but you know he hasn't really challenged for a title because roman's had it uh, for months now um, so for me, that's how I view it. Although at the same time, I'd be pretty surprised if Edge lost. So it is one of those situations where it feels like neither guy necessarily needs to win, but neither guy can really afford to lose in that sense. Because then, you know, if Edge loses, then it's like, all right, you know, what happens when he comes back? You know, because then it's kind of like Goldberg over on Raw. It's like, you know, that kind of will take the, the wind out of his sails. But then if Rollins loses, then you're damaging the guy that is there week after week. And it is a... It like, feels I don't like know. Tricky. I feel like Edge, like Edge should win just because Babyface should win. And like even Rollins is that dude though. Like Rollins lost to Cesaro and lost nothing. Cesaro, for some reason, is playing around in the mid-card division because no reason. Just that's what they've decided to do. I I don't love the fact that somebody's got to win here, somebody's got to lose. So I think if you just look at it like it's a grudge match and it's a good story and never mind the mental game of, well, what does so-and-so gain from a victory? Never mind that here and just watch the match. I think that's the money. Yeah. 
And at the end of the day, that, that's what really counts. I and mean, that's for, for most matches, really. It's like the story's going to be going into it. It's going to be a good match. I'll be happy whoever wins. If Edge wins, the hero you know, wins the day, it's a good story. If Rollins wins, that's good for him. And like I said, I, then that, to me, would seemingly kind of propel him back to the world title scene. So I think that's a, a, a win-win situation. And I think it can't really go wrong necessarily and it'd be interesting to see which way do they decide to go but i will have to wait and see what happens with that one and then with that it's time to talk about the the real meat of this of this show here uh we can start you had with, to say meat didn't you? And, <laughs> like, know, the, the real draw the real uh the, know, the big the big story if you prefer um we'll, we'll start with john cena <laughs> well, look look john cena kicks off these shows and i didn't think the pop could get any louder than texas cleveland was hot cleveland was hot for john cena john cena is for a lot of these people our hulk hogan he's mine he's like a lot of people look at him and go that's my childhood now that makes me feel old because i can't believe that john cena's like his day is gone you know but people were hot for John Cena. And John Cena gave a brilliant line of, I'm here to fight for the little respect that WWE has left. Now, he meant that Roman Reigns is an asshole who doesn't respect anything, but that could be taken as a direct, like, I'm here because the numbers are crashing. I'm here because I got to help this place out. And then Paul Heyman comes out and starts legitimately mocking John Cena and singing his theme song as he walks to the back. I guess maybe Paul Heyman just got tired and not having entrance music to walk back to and just starts mocking John Cena. Ugh. Paul, Paul Heyman, Heyman is the greatest of all time. He is the GOAT. He really is. Like, can't say enough about him. Uh, yet again, here with the, the singing John Cena theme song. Pretty much the guy's like underrated in the sense that, you know, that's obviously easy to say, oh, Rowan Reigns is gold every week. Or now John Cena's come back and he's, you know, really, I really enjoyed both of his promos this past week. Uh, and now, you know, but, yeah, Paul Heyman kind of flies under the radar there. Where like, you know, here in this segment to open the show, Reigns didn't come out. It was up to, uh, up to Heyman to kind of sell that and say, okay, you know, Roman Reigns doesn't, uh, he kind of mocked that you can't see me thing. So Roman Reigns can't hear you because he doesn't want to hear you because uh, you're not worth listening to. Uh, so it was up to uh, Heyman to set that up. And uh, Robert and I were talking before we went on about how this book ended the show because we saw Cena come out here, uh, very, make it very clear that he was challenging Reigns. And then Heyman said, okay, Roman will respond later and he'll show you that the, the tribal chief is here. And then later we saw Roman respond. But I guess we should just so we're not j- jumping around too, too much. Uh, Earlier in the show, we saw Finn Balor face Sami Zayn. Uh, this was a follow up after last week. Finn Balor returned to SmackDown. Uh, you know, beat up Sami Zayn. Now we got a match. Finn Balor won. Good match. Uh, pretty much established Finn Balor back and, uh, and with winning ways on SmackDown. Uh, I maintain my concern that this feels like the exact same Finn Balor that we saw two years ago on SmackDown. But uh, with this win here, later that same night, he comes out after Roman Reigns rejects John Cena and challenges uh, Roman Reigns instead. So Roman Reigns comes out later in the show. And Robert, you, you mentioned it earlier on, but delivered a an amazing line about how John Cena is like, you know, the missionary position where it's the same every single night over and over again. 
um, and basically saying that he's, he didn't see the, the, the appeal in that. They just didn't want to waste his time in that. Uh, there, there's a joke to be made that I thought for, I believe I thought for a second he was talking about missionary position, but he was talking about John Cena. Um, and then he said, yeah, like uh, my answer is no, I'm not going to face you. Finn Balor comes out and it's like, all right, you know, if you don't want to face John, if you don't want to, you know, uh, accept John Cena's challenge, maybe you'll, you'll accept mine. And Roman says, all right, I will. And that credits, that's it. You know, Fade to black. Yeah. So we, we see that Roman Reigns has accepted Finn Balor's challenge. Now I'm very, I, I'm excited about this. I think this is a cool you know, way to end the show. I always like cliffhangers like that. And now I'm sitting here like, all right, where do we go from here? Because you know they're doing Reigns and Cena at SummerSlam. You, I know it's like that, that is happening. Or do you? I don't know. All right, I don't know. I'm saying as a fan. Or do you? It's, I, I'll say this. I'm, I work with some of the top news people in this game, I, as a fan, now have skepticism that, hey, maybe not. Maybe they pivot. Maybe it's Finn Balor Roman Reigns. Maybe it's John Cena fights anybody, honestly, like Karrion Cross. That, who can't be Jeff Hardy. No, I mean, no, no, no. They they have options. I they uh, they do. They, they okay? do have options. That they're slim on the options, but they have. And at the very least, you feel like you're going to get John Cena Finn back with the winner of that fighting Roman Reigns. You so would you see that happening on SmackDown before SummerSlam? Yeah, hmm. I see it happening next week. Either that or, or Reigns has to run through Balor next week and John Cena has to immediately say, all right, I'm up. Let's go. I just find it interesting that Reigns said no to Cena and now, to, yeah, to me, it is kind of a fork in the road if Cena remains in the title picture, if they don't pivot entirely. It's either, to me, uh, Reigns faces Balor on a, summer, on a SmackDown before SummerSlam and then somehow... Cena goes into saying yes, or he changes his mind, or we get Cena versus Balor, which could really pop a number for SmackDown. So I could see the appeal in that. Um, but at the same time, then I think you know maybe they want to save that match for for SummerSlam for for John Cena's first match back in, I guess his first official match in what pretty much two years at this point. So um, it's interesting. I I've, and then my my immediate thought. I, maybe just the way that it, it, it uh, fell about uh, was it was potentially a triple threat match, but I don't necessarily see that as being likely. It feels like, you know... They, that um, would be... Legitimately, that would be the dumbest thing you could do to go John Cena, Roman Reigns, and here's Finn Balor. Like, yeah. I like Finn Balor. I always said when Brock Lesnar was Universal Champion... The way to pop a number is you have Finn Balor fight Brock Lesnar on Monday Night Raw television, and then you have Balor beat him. You don't throw Balor in the middle of this match just because you're like, gotta swerve him. Balor's not there yet. Yeah. Which, to me, it kind of makes this all the more surprising. You know, yes, he did beat Zayn, and I will credit, hey, you know, logical booking. He, he came back to SmackDown. I think it was on Talking Smack and The Bump where he said, I want the Universal title. I have unfinished business with the Universal title. I'm back for the Universal title. Um, this week, he beat Sami Zayn later, later in the same night. 
He's, he, he goes to a universal title. That is logical, and I like that. But at the same time, it, while he's been the champion in the past, you know, in some ways, it's WWE especially is very much a, a what have you done, done? What have you done for me lately? Balor wasn't on NXT. He did great there, but now he's back, and it feels to me like you can't necessarily just you know show up and demand things like that. Like it is. I, I Balor doesn't have the stroke that Roman and Cena do. I do agree with that. Yeah. So to me, it is interesting in that sense, and I guess I I had thought that this would be something that could be in the cards. Like we were talking about earlier, you know, maybe you do this in the fall when he's been built up a little bit, and and you get kind of past the the Cena and the Edge, you know, at the top of the card there, uh, and then you slot him in when they're gone. Uh, but now he's being put in this picture, and like we like you were just saying, it, he feels I don't think less than, but it's it's John Cena. Like <laughs> anybody would feel like less than in that sense. So I I really he feels don't... like he's there to plant a seed of doubt. Yeah, and. We don't need a seed of doubt. We don't. I like that they threw us the curveball because it's entertaining. But if you're going to end up in the same place that we all know you're ending up, don't take the long route. Don't take the scenic route. Just it's John Cena, Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman on the mic. You can't miss. Yeah, and. and- I think I, I guess I look back to it was uh, on the road to, to WrestleMania when they overcomplicated uh, Belair and Banks, where you had a, what could have been a very straightforward build uh, for a very exciting match, and they made it. They had Reginald and all these things. It just made it way too complicated, and of course, the match delivery was great, but the the build just could have been a lot more simple, a lot more not not the long route, just kind of a, a straight line in that sense. Now. Whatever happens with Bauer, if he gets the title, I, I imagine the more likely route, I guess, would prop for me would probably be him to face Reigns. Now that he's challenged him and the Reigns accepted, that he could face Reigns maybe next week, maybe the week after that, and then somehow Cena gets the title match anyway. But like again, you you're literally you have a month right now. Why are you wasting time? Right. Is is it that? And I haven't checked. Is it that some of these summer of Cena dates don't correspond? With SmackDown? Uh, it's possible, but I'd assumed that I, they... I would assume that he's doing all TVs. Yeah, at the very least for SmackDown, you know. And they are doing plenty of live shows as well, but I, I don't know. You know, I, to me, that, that is a little weird. And I, I, I would, at least on paper, expect him to be on the, on the TVs, especially now, you know, if they are going to waste time with the Spin Valor stuff. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's just... It does strike me as odd, and I yeah, I still think that pretty good chance we are gonna we're gonna get Cena Reigns one on one at SummerSlam anyway. And as you said, Robert, this might just be a seed of doubt. It was a fun moment, and now I'm intrigued to see how they proceed. But it does feel like you know pretty much inevitable. We know where we're going. I'm excited for where we're going, but I'm uh, I guess and I'm also excited to see how we make sure that we stay on that path rather than deviate too too much. But that's for next week. We'll have to wait and see what happens while, when we get there. Uh, and then for, at least back for this week, though. Robert, what do you rate the show out of out of ten? Oh, it's a, it's solid eight. Like it's it was a fine show. They tried things. I'm still on a high of like, wow, dude. I just watched a SmackDown with Edge and John Cena and Rey Mysterio. By the way, I don't know if it's because it was Dominic, but they had a new theme song. Yeah. Wasn't crazy with that. Um. I don't know if it's because, like, 
it's that nostalgia. Like, it, it does hit. John Cena does make it feel like a bigger deal. It's crazy to me that we finally hit the point where Taker is gone and he left in front of no one. And I, I never want to see that happen again. You know, like I want these legends to be appreciated in their own time. And now John Cena is, and it's a beautiful thing. I mean, he's going out there getting like pretty much universal cheers, which uh, you and I obviously know that once upon a time, that was not the case. You got a lot of booze and now people, the classic line being that you don't know what you got till it's gone. John Cena was gone. Now he's back and people say, hey, we like John Cena. We like what he brings to the show. We like the fact that he, he starts the show and he gets not only the live fans fired up, but for me sitting at home, like he's getting, he's going out there and firing everybody up. His energy is absolutely infectious. And for me, like I've said this several times since he returned, makes me feel like a little, little kid again. Because for me, that it was my childhood, that like seeing him on the show every week doing these things he's doing now, you know, uh, trying to beat the bad guy, in this case, Roman Reigns. You know, the nostalgia, like Rowan Reigns kind of, dis, uh, in his promo, dismiss it as a, as a nostalgia pop, but there's something to be said for that. Like, the nostalgia, it does work. It, there is that appeal for a reason. Uh, and, you know, that, that definitely is a high. And so I would agree. Um, other than the scene in Reigns and ultimately the, the Bauer stuff, a bit of a thin show, but I enjoyed the scene of all of that stuff so much and you know, some of the other things as well. I'd probably go for like an eight, you know, and that's boosted up by, again, those bookends. But, you know, it's it's good. Like SmackDown, it's good. And I agree. I, again, you, you had mentioned and we are, we seem to be on the same page about, you know, the worry that they're overcomplicating what could be a, a home run match or slash feud with Reigns and Cena. But again, pretty confident we are going to get there anyway. Um, some, and it may be that just excitement about that anyway lending to my optimism about that. So another good show. This was the, I guess, the one week anniversary of having fans back. So that's pretty cool. You know, now, now no, it's, it's crazy that we're, we're just, we're back, man. Yeah. You know, the world just keeps going on and now the wrestling is back to normal and it's a beautiful thing. And I've, I desperately hope that it lasts so we can cross our fingers and hope that, you know, things, this is the, the new old normal again. And, you know, regardless, we'll be here uh, to talk about SmackDown next week. Uh, John Clark and I talk about Raw on Mondays and NXT on Tuesdays. Uh, the Dynamite Dudes of Attitude cover all things AEW, and they also do WCW rewritten. And we also have a great stream of interviews constantly, uh, you know, popping up for you guys. Bill Pritchard recently interviewed Mickey James talking about all things NWA and power. He interviewed Matt Cardona ahead of GCW Homecoming this weekend. Uh, a great stream of interviews, always available and all these podcasts uh, on our SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, our podcast, whatever it may be, we've got you covered. So leave like and subscribe. So Robert Wrestling is back. You know, the, the nostalgia is there. The fans are back. So that's great as well. And all these things put together makes it easy to do the one thing we do here at WrestleZone. And can you tell me what that is? Enjoy wrestling. Indeed. Thanks for listening, everybody.